What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. This week, 24 of the world's best golfers traveled to Europe for the 44th edition of the Ryder Cup. This biennial competition between the United States and Europe is at Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy. And the U.S. team, led by Captain Zach Johnson, is looking to win their first Ryder Cup on European soil in 30 years. Now, the Ryder Cup is one of the world's oldest sporting events. The format of the tournament has changed several times, and there are some really interesting details, like player prize money, the envelope rule, ticket prices, venue details, and more. So today's podcast will break down everything you need to know about the 2023 Ryder Cup. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. Okay, so talking about the Ryder Cup, I think the most logical place to start is not only what is the Ryder Cup, but how did this tournament actually begin? So for those of you that don't know, the Ryder Cup was founded in 1927, but the real story starts in 1921, about six years earlier. The rumor is that golfers from Great Britain and the United States played each other in a match play at Glen Eagles in Scotland. And they were doing this to warm up for the 1921 Open Championship. So it was super informal. A bunch of guys got together from Great Britain and United States. They divided them into two teams and they played against each other in match play at Glen Eagles in Scotland to prepare for the 1921 Open Championship. This informal tournament then happened again in 1926. And that's where Samuel Ryder comes in. Now, Samuel Ryder was essentially just a wealthy English businessman who enjoyed playing golf. He actually didn't start playing golf till around his 50s, but he really enjoyed it. And he was spending thousands of dollars every single year on lessons from a pro golfer named Abe Mitchell. So Samuel Ryder attends the match in 1926. Again, at this point, it's still super informal. It's Great Britain versus the United States. And he falls in love with it. And he's like, we need to make this thing official. This needs to become a tournament all the time. So Samuel Ryder writes a deed of trust with the British PGA. He buys and donates a $250 17-inch tall gold cup with a figurine of Abe Mitchell, the guy that he was getting lessons from, on the top. And the Ryder Cup was officially born. The inaugural tournament took place from June 3rd to the 4th in 1927, so the following year, at Worcester Country Club in Worcester, Massachusetts. And the United States team, led by 11-time major winner Walter Hagen, beat the British team, nine and a half to two and a half, to win the first Ryder Cup. Then, after losing 15 of 16 Ryder Cups from 1947 to 1977, so literally for all those years in a row, we're talking about 30 years in a row, the Great Britain team lost 15 of 16 Ryder Cups to the United States, and they figured something had to change to give them a better chance of actually competing. And what they did was they expanded the talent pool to all of continental Europe. So call it from 1927, even if you want to count the six years before that, but when the tournament officially first started in 1927 to 1977, so 50 years, the first 50 years of the tournament, it was Great Britain versus the United States. Great Britain wasn't performing really well. They lost 15 of 16 in a row in the Ryder Cup to the United States, and they decided to open their talent pool to all of continental Europe. And that's how the tournament has been ever since. It's Europe versus the United States. Now, if you look at the all-time record, Team USA still leads Team Europe 27 to 14, but Team Europe has won seven of the last 10 Ryder Cups. And as I mentioned in the intro, the US is looking to win their first Ryder Cup on European soil in 30 years. Now, this leads me to the next point. 
the business behind the Ryder Cup. Now, I don't know about you guys. If you watch golf, this is probably one of your favorite events. Even if you don't watch golf, you probably still love the Ryder Cup. It's awesome. It's one of those tournaments where there's like real emotion. People are cheering. Some of the players last time were chugging beers on the first tee. Like, it's great. The atmosphere is unbelievable and the crowds are fantastic. But what this leads to is a huge business behind this tournament today. So, for example, the 2021 Ryder Cup averaged averaged nearly 2.5 million viewers across the three days of competition. So that's on the Golf Channel, that's on NBC, and so forth. 2.5 million people watched each day of the competition. And the event currently has a 15-year, $440 million TV deal with NBC. And when you talk about attendance, it's probably even more impressive. 150,000 people will attend this year's event. Those people will pay anywhere between $53 to $1,500 per ticket on the primary market. And those tickets could be anywhere between two to 10 times more on the secondary market. So the cheapest tickets are general admission, again, on the primary market. If you go on secondary market websites, you're obviously going to be paying a markup. The supply is limited and the demand is through the roof. So $53 to $277 for primary market general admission tickets to get into the event. If you want a premium package, they have something called the Champions Pavilion. They have the Captain's Club. They have the Vista Box and they have the Founder Lounge. Those tickets for a premium package, food and drinks, a lounge, whole deal, can range anywhere between $528 to $1,400 from a premium standpoint. The 2023 Ryder Cup merchandise shop is over 40,000 square feet, and they sell more than 1,000 different items. So they're obviously going to be making a lot of money this weekend too. But the event also saw its sponsorship revenue increase by 153% between the last Ryder Cup and this Ryder Cup. And that includes deals with blue chip companies like Rolex, BMW, City, Hilton, Pepsi, UPS, Titleist, Polo, and many, many, many others. But despite the Ryder Cup generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, the players, they're not actually paid to compete. It's insane. Literally, get this. So they don't receive any cash, right? The players don't get a paycheck for competing in the Ryder Cup. But that doesn't mean they go home empty-handed, per se. PGA of America actually gives each member on Team USA $200,000 to donate towards charity. 50% of that money, $100,000, goes to a charity of their choice. And the remaining $50,000 goes to a few different charities. One is the Boys and Girls Club of America. One is the Drive Chip and Putt Championship. And a third is the PGA Junior League. So again, the players don't get paid but they get a donation from PGA of America, $200,000 each, to 50% goes to their charity. The other 50% goes to charities that have already been picked. And then on top of that, there's a few other perks and we'll call it monetary rewards that come into play. One would be there's been reports that players are given a stipend to cover clothing for the events. Obviously, they're given the clothing they're supposed to wear when they're competing. They're given relaxation clothing if they're in and around the clubhouse that's Team USA or Team Europe branded. But part of the event is a dinner, right? So players have to dress up. They're wearing suits or tuxedos or whatever it is. So there's been rumors in the past that players were given $7,500 stipends to go and buy clothing for the event. Now, maybe you already have a suit that you're going to wear and you end up keeping that money. Sure. I don't think most of these golfers are trying to pocket the $7,500, but maybe they end up doing it anyways. The other big part of this is reimbursements for travel. 
they're given $30,000, or at least they were on the previous Ryder Cup, for travel to and from the event. Now, in this case, you're going to Rome, Italy. They're not taking a private plane. They were sitting in first class. They're bringing usually their significant other, their wife, their girlfriend, whatever it is, maybe other family members. So some people are using a little bit of that money. Some people are using all of that money and perhaps maybe even more. But then there's one other thing too. They're also given 20 complimentary tickets for family and friends. So if you want to have you know your family and friends come out and join you, whatever it is, you get 20 tickets to the event all three days. And then the captain of each team for Team USA and Team Europe, they usually give the players a gift. This could literally be anything, but it's usually something that has some amount of value and is cool. Granted, they're not going to be selling this. So I think last time it was a personalized Rolex watch, or maybe that was two Ryder Cups ago. But you guys get the point. These are usually like cool gifts that cost some significant amount of money, but they're not going to be sold anyways. It's just like a cool memento and show you that you were there and, and something for you to cherish. So again, one of the most interesting things I think to me is that the players don't get paid. They're literally just doing this because it's for the love of the game. Obviously, there's some value in it, not only from like a, a stipend standpoint, but you're getting name recognition. Uh, your sponsorships could obviously go up because of it, depending on how you play, could gain social media followers, whatever it is, right? There's value in you being there for sure. But I was surprised the first time I found out that they didn't actually get paid anything to show up. And that leads me into the country club, the host of this year's Ryder Cup. I think this is actually probably one of the most interesting parts of the storyline for this Ryder Cup because this place is freaking beautiful and you would have never expected this place to get a Ryder Cup. And the reason I say that is because Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy beat out a bunch of other clubs across Germany, Spain, and Austria to host this event. Now, the reason they were able to do this obviously goes back to money. Italy was bidding for the Olympics, the right to host a tournament there, and they sold the Ryder Cup on the ability to host the event in a cultural capital like Rome, and they guaranteed that they were going to do $15 million of renovations to the course to get it ready for the Ryder Cup. Not only that, the Italian Golf Federation guaranteed $20 million in direct payments to the Ryder Cup in Europe, the organization. They also uh, agreed to increase payments to the DP World Tour, and Italy itself, the country, gave some money too to the foundations and the organizations that were running this tournament as well. But regardless, all of that is kind of par for the course depending on what country and what venue is going to get it. When these things are up for grabs, people are going to be bidding on them, and everyone knows that there's some kind of what we'll call jockeying for position. So the more surprising part to me is how great Marco Simone looks. I mean, this course looks incredible. The resort or the landmass that it's on is huge. It covers 350 acres. The clubhouse is 70,000 square feet, 70,000 square feet. And, you know, hearing this over a podcast, you may be like, okay, that doesn't really sound that big. How big is that? It's the largest clubhouse at a golf course in all of Europe, in all of Europe, 70,000 square feet. There's actually this video online. I'm assuming Team USA did one too. But if you haven't seen it yet, go to the Europe account for the Ryder Cup. They had a walkthrough of the team's locker room and lounge. I mean, this thing is absolutely incredible. The area where the players are going to be eating breakfast and lunch, the area where they're going to be hanging out, the locker rooms, the dressing rooms, how they walk out to the course. It is one of the nicest facilities I've ever seen at a golf course. It's obviously all custom built. They have their names on the lockers. Their caddies are in there. Their bags are already in there. Their clothes are already in there. 
but it looks incredible. It looks great. Whoever built this and renovated it and came up with the design did a really good job. And obviously that was a huge part of the renovation. But the other big part of the renovation was the course itself. They went in in 2018 to 2021 and they renovated this entire thing. There's literally holes that are brand new at this golf course that didn't exist before this renovation. So they changed some of the holes. They tried to make it a little bit more difficult. They added bunkers in certain places, but some holes they just redid entirely through this $15 million renovation. So if you go through, there's a, there's a few YouTube accounts that have flyovers of every single hole in the course. It's awesome. I recommend you guys check it out. The land has a bunch of elevation gain, actually. We'll get to that in a second, and there's some wind and things like that. But I think it's going to present a pretty unique challenge, and I think the players are really going to enjoy it, and I think the fans are going to enjoy watching it more. The other cool things that you're going to be seeing are you can see the city of Rome in the distance while you're watching on television, which I think is going to be really cool and people are going to enjoy. You can also see a thousand-year-old castle that the course is named after, Marco Simone, that's right behind the fifth hole. Literally, this castle is a thousand years old and it's just literally sitting there behind the fifth hole. So super cool. Another thing that I think people are really going to enjoy from a, a just like pure beauty standpoint. And like I was saying before, this course should be a pretty good test for the players too. Take the 18th hole, for instance. It's the longest closing par five in Ryder Cup history. This thing is almost 600 yards and players that miss the fairways around this place not only are there a bunch of bunkers kind of throughout, both on the fairways, but also in and around the green, these things are going to punish you. But there's also a bunch of deep, what we'll call a club twisting rough around the course too. So there's like a first cut, which is not terrible, but if you miss by like five to 10 yards, you're in some pretty deep rough and the players have already been talking about it. Captain Zach Johnson for Team USA said, the rough is penal. It's very difficult, but we've experienced that before. It's going to present a challenge and you'll need your entire arsenal working. So obviously the players are in tune. I saw a clip earlier today of Carlos Sainz, the Formula One driver. He was talking with, I think it was Max Homa, Wyndham Clark, and some other person. I couldn't tell who it was because they were behind the camera. But a couple of players from Team USA. But the Formula One driver was standing there and he asked them how the course was playing. And all of them were like, ah, it's kind of difficult actually. Make sure you avoid the rough. Each one of them specifically pointed it out. And it was enough to where they mentioned it multiple times. So I'm assuming this is something that the players are at least somewhat concerned about and looking out for as they play this course over the next few days. The other thing to keep in mind from a business perspective is that most of the people attending this event in some sense are international, right? Even if you're not coming from the United States, maybe you're coming from other places in Europe and it's going to bring a huge economic impact to Rome and also the area around the course specifically. They're estimating that's going to be about $250 million in economic impact, which would be two times more than the last Ryder Cup in 2021 in the United States. So, you know, this is one of those things. You guys know this by now listening to this podcast. It can be debated left, right, and center about how incorrect or correct some of these economic impact studies are. But $250 million, even if it ends up being $100 million, it's really good for Rome and the surrounding area to have this event there. It's more money than they committed to spend through the different organizations that were able to get this tournament there. It's more money than they spent on a renovation at the golf course. And obviously the golf course is now going to raise its public profile. They're going to be able to raise fees and everything else alongside it because they've had a Ryder Cup hosted there. So the business is obviously tremendous. This is a multi-hundred million dollar event every single year. And the tournament in Rome, Italy should be no different. 
But lastly, I want to leave you guys with a few different what we'll call conversation starters. These are just like fun facts that I've found over the last few days and things that I've thought about or heard about that you'll enjoy, I think, and you can talk to your family and friends about over the next few days while you watch this tournament. So number one, Marco Simone could get pretty windy. This course is only 24 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea, which is much closer than I would have imagined. And there is 155 feet of elevation gain from the front nine during the middle of the back nine. So there's quite a bit of an elevation in hills along this course. It could be challenging from a physical standpoint for the players. Obviously, the mental aspect is a lot too. Players that have been playing a lot over the last few weeks on the European side. And just the fans and everything else that goes along with it. The media presence is huge there. It's almost like another major, but a different feel. So I think physically and mentally, by the time this thing is over, the players are going to be tired. One from the golf course, but also just the pressure that is put onto them from the event itself. Marco Simone is also just one of 325 golf courses in all of Italy. I found that crazy, right? Here in the United States, we have what feels like a million different golf courses, but there's just 325 golf courses in Italy. This is obviously one of the nicer ones. As I mentioned, it was completely renovated in 2018, including several entirely new holes. One of the other things on the competition standpoint that I found that I thought was super interesting Part of this is because the tournament was no longer playing during the war, but also the stretch of Team USA beating Great Britain and now what has become Europe. Europe only won the Ryder Cup once. Europe only won the Ryder Cup once between the years of 1935 and 1985, right? So 50 years, Europe won once, which I think is absolutely incredible and kind of mind-blowing. Obviously, that has changed a lot over the last few years as they won seven of the last 10. From a spectator standpoint, I mentioned the ticket prices earlier, but there's going to be about 250,000 spectators throughout the week, including probably an average of like 45 to 50,000 per day. That includes media people, that includes superintendents, that includes grounds crew, that includes everyone else that is at the venue itself. And the first toll has grandstands. I'm sure you guys have seen this in other Ryder Cups. You'll see it a lot over the next few days. The first toll, the first tee shot has these like stadium seating stands. And there are 6,500 seats there. It can get really loud. People are going to be making their emotions, whether they're cheering or booing, very well known. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is that most of the matches on the last few days don't actually make it to the 17th or 18th hole, the closing holes. And the reason for that is just simple, that they've already been decided because of the score up to that point. So most of the seating, most of the grandstand seating and things like that, where people can get rowdy and loud and, and show their emotion are actually on the front nine, right? We're going to see it on the first hole for sure, but there's some other ones throughout and there's less of that as you get towards the 17th and 18th hole. Now, the other thing to keep in mind again is that the course is really tight. There's literally nowhere to park around this place. So all of the spectators will be picked up off site by a bus and then they'll be dropped off by the main entrance next to a huge merchandise tent. They're going to make a tremendous amount of money on that too. Obviously, if you present a huge merchandise tent out front before the people are even able to walk in, they're going to buy hats, they're going to buy t-shirts, they're going to buy polos, they'll buy everything. And it's kind of like the masters, right? It's like one of those things that you're going to once potentially in your entire life. You're going to buy a bunch of stuff. My guess is they're going to be making potentially tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on merchandise alone this week. The other thing to keep in mind is that Marco Simone's golf superintendent is a lady named Laura Ares. And the reason why this is important is because she's super impressive. She's worked a few different Ryder Cups before, second in command. Now she's going to be first in command, running the grounds crew and everyone else around this place. She speaks four different languages, which is quite frankly necessary because she has 120 person staff. 20 of the people are full time 
And then there's going to be a hundred temporary staff members from all around the world, people that are speaking different languages that she will have to communicate with. So she's super impressive. And one of the other fun facts about her in this tournament specifically is that she has an Australian shepherd named Ryder, obviously for the Ryder Cup. Ryder, the Australian shepherd, will be working this year's Ryder Cup and is most certainly, I can almost guarantee, going to receive some airtime. I actually already saw a couple Instagram posts about Ryder, extremely, extremely cute dog. You guys are going to love it. It's very cool that she's able to bring the dog to the course. He hangs out. He's even got a, a, a badge and uh, ticket credentials, and he kind of just strolls around the golf course. Very cool, and uh, one of those fun facts for sure. And last but not least, I want to talk about this rule called the envelope rule. Now, hardcore golf fanatics may know about this already, but more casual golf fans probably don't. It was one of the things that I learned more recently, and I just think it's super interesting. The way that it works is during the Ryder Cup, or actually before the Ryder Cup starts, the captain of each team writes a player's name down from their own team and puts it in an envelope. They seal that envelope and they give it to a representative. And the only way that it gets opened is if a player on either team gets injured. And this is what happens when a player gets injured. If one of the players on Team Europe or Team USA gets injured and can no longer play, the opposing team's captain. So say someone on Team Europe gets hurt. Then the opposing team captain, Team USA's captain, Zach Johnson, can go in and pick a player from his team that he doesn't want to compete. That player is then matched with the injured player and the match is recorded for half a point. Now, the reason why this is interesting is because that captain, Zach Johnson, doesn't just get to go pick any player, maybe someone that's not playing well or something like that. He has to decide before the tournament, he has to write it down and put it in that envelope, and then that name is then pulled out if a player gets injured. So he's picking someone before the tournament that if someone on the other team gets hurt, he matches that player up against them, and they don't compete, it's for half a point. Now, this obviously doesn't really get used that much. It's actually only been used three times in history, but I think it's one of those fun facts that maybe you'll see it this year. And if you do, you'll know from this podcast, you can tell your family and friends, tweet at me about it, and we'll talk about it because I think it's super interesting. That's it for today, though, everyone. I really hope you enjoy the Ryder Cup. This is one of those sporting events that whether you like golf or not, it's more of a national thing, right? It's Team Europe versus Team USA. I love watching this event. It only comes around every couple of years. I think that Italy is going to be an amazing host, and I'm looking forward to seeing who wins this tournament, who plays really well over the next few days. Enjoy the Ryder Cup. I hope everyone has a great weekend, and we'll talk in the next couple of days here. 